So if you have your Bible, if you could take it and turn to Psalm 73. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. I've printed out the psalm for you um, on your handout. Psalm 73 is one of my favorites, and this is uh, something that has a lot of depth to it. So we're going to read through this together and look at some of these um, things. I want you to get your pen out because we're going to make some marks on this passage right off the bat. The first thing I want you to be marking, or first thing I want you to be looking for, is... um, Things you have said to yourself before, or things you have thought. The, the passage is, is basically a passage about a man who is, is looking at the world and looking at the injustice of the world and looking at people who are getting along just fine and they are ignoring God. People who are enemies of God, but they seem to be doing just, just great. And that's really distra- distressing him. <coughs> His name is Asaph. He's a psalmist. He's a songwriter. And he, he's really um, <coughs> confounded by this problem. God, if you're God, then why do these bad people get away with everything? So um, I w- as you read through this, the first thing we're going to do is mark the things you've said to yourself before, okay? And then also we'll keep your eyes open for other things as well. But just, we're going to go through this together. We'll start right off the top here. As it says, um, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling, my steps had almost slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant, and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there was no pains in their death, and their body is fat. Now, when he says that to us, that would be a, a slam. You'd never call somebody fat. But in this time, to say someone was fat meant they were healthy, meant that they had enough food that they had more uh, more than they needed. So this is something that's envy. he's envious of them. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Their garments of violence covers them. Their eyes bulges from fatness. The imaginations of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens. Their tongue parades through the earth. Therefore, his people return to this place, and waters in abundance are drunken by them. They say, how does God know, and is there knowledge with the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. And always at ease, they have increased in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence, for I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, behold, it would have betrayed the generation of your children. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. Until I came into the sanctuary of God, (coughs) then I perceived their end. Surely you set them in slippery places, you cast them down to destruction, how they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors, like a dream when one awakens, O Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. When my heart was embittered, and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant, I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you, you have taken hold of my right hand, with your counsel you will guide me, and afterwards receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? Besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are from afar and uh, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. All right, it's a long psalm, but there's a lot going on there, and we're going to start right from the beginning. What did you see? In this, immediately, that you thought, oh, okay, I've said that before to myself. I've said that in my heart. I've asked that question. I have wondered that. What, anything off the top of your head? Prosperity of the wicked. Okay, which verse? 
Verse three. Okay, I was envious of the arrogant, saw the prosperity of the wicked. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's easy to see that. You look at Hollywood, you look at uh, whatever, and people people seem to be getting along fine without God. You might ask yourself, how is that possible? Okay, what else? They are not in trouble as other men. Yeah, uh, right here. They don't have the problems I have. Um, There are no pains in their death. I had that one highlighted. Yeah. Look at them. They have all the comforts of this world. These are things you might uh, might say to yourself. What else? Uh, it's on your first one. There are uh, things you've said to yourself before, things you've thought perhaps about. This is uh, a man who's, who's looking at the world and looking at the wicked prospering. He's asking himself how this could be. How about verse uh, 12? What about Albert? Well, I was going to say thir- uh, 13. 13? Yeah, okay, that's a big one. This is what it comes down to. Okay, Lord... Okay, I've kept my heart pure. I've done this. I am am trying to please God. Have I done it in vain? What what does in vain mean? Am I wasting my time? Am I... Is that not a question that has maybe popped into your head as a Christian? Am I wasting my time? Because I'm working so hard to try to do what's right. And sometimes I fail. Sometimes I don't work hard to do what's right. But sometimes I am working hard to do what's right. And I'm doing all this. And I look across the way and there's somebody who doesn't care a thing about any of this stuff. And they're doing fine. By all appearances. Am I wasting my time? Um, Sometimes I'll think about like, I'll try, but like if somebody's 83 years old and they accept Jesus and then a week later they die, right. they get the same thing that I get. In the end, they get the same place, you end up at the same place you do. But yeah. then I think about the parable with the money thing. Yep, the people getting the same payment, yeah. So that is a big question. I think this is kind of the center. That, that's a very, I mean, um, very much at the center of this discussion. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Also, there's a verse. I can't remember where it is. If you would know, the one that says that the Lord um, does things. His kindness continues to bring them to Himself. Yeah, uh, that knowing that the good, yeah, the the, the, the God leads to repentance. Yeah. Yeah, um, he, would, he continues to bless and do things so that they can... Well, we're not getting to the answers yet, Christine. We're talking, we're talking first about the problem. That's, what uh, that's okay. So, anything else you want to mention? I had here... Um, 13. How about this one? I have been stricken all day long. <laughs> Excuse me. Lord, you, you make my life miserable. Albert, was there water in here? It was. It was? You took it. Oh, can you be a... a yes, yes, ma'am. That would be great. <laughs> I'm just cough a bit. No, I was going to say, on my way out, I was going to say verse um, 16. 16. I was pondering to try to understand this, and it was troublesome. Yeah. It didn't make sense. It was troublesome in my sight. I, I thought about this. I sat there, and I thought about all these things, and it bothered me. It really bothered me. See, this is the thing about the Bible is that the Bible isn't um, doesn't sugarcoat stuff. It deals with things that you and I deal with on a daily basis, um, and deals with the real thoughts of human hearts. This is a natural thought. Um, the next part is this. Let's mark some references to two different things. First, we're going to look at ideas about knowing heart and desire. It has to do with the inner man, the thoughts of the inner man, and also we're going to look at. Um, this outer man speaking and, and saying. So let's go back to the beginning here. 
And do you see anything that has to do with the inner man or the outer man? That is, the thoughts of the mind, the heart, the desires of the heart, knowing, or seeing and speaking, which is like outer. What do, what do you see? Anything? I'm going to use uh, green. Is that really confusing? Let me get you started. Okay, so uh, this is super basic, but I saw okay. the prosperity of the wicked. So that's inner man. Well, that, I, I, what I'm using is, I'm saying uh, heart, uh, no... And what's the other word I use? Uh, desire, these ideas, mm-hmm. versus speak and see. So this is like outer. I, I, it's not real. I just, I just did it that way. Is there, is there something about your inner man, the heart, the knowing desire, or the speaking and seeing? Okay, so like envious is heart. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it, it's, it's not, it's just kind of my way of thinking. Maybe okay. that doesn't make sense. Thank you, honey. So you see, envy, uh, I saw the prosperity of the Where is envious? What verse? Three. Yes, yes. Yeah, let me use blue for that. This has to do with your uh, envious. Okay? Uh, anything else? Verse 21 stand. I know when I got that far, I was going to get that far. 21 stand in me as someone my heart was embittered and I was pierced with me. Okay, my heart. I don't remember which was which. I think probably blue was in, internal heart was embittered, and I was pierced within. Yeah, this idea of your heart, of your, in, your inner self being, um, you're wrecked a little bit about this whole thing. Uh, I just want to point out a few other things. I'm just showing you there's a connection here between seeing, he sees the world, and what he sees conflicts with what he, he thinks should be true. Um, six? Six? I mean, 16. 16. I pondered. Yeah, we're dealing again with the heart. I pondered. Understand this. It's troublesome in my sight. Okay. Um. You haven't been perceived. Okay. Right, four, you said? Four is an outer because, like, you're seeing all of this stuff that you want. Yeah, yeah. So they're seeing the prosperity that there is no. This is what he sees here, this. And this, right? Mm-hmm. This is what he's seeing. This is what he's perceiving to be real about uh, what's going on around him. Um, look at verse 8, real quick. Their eye bulges for their fatness. They mock and wickedly. I use this all the time as a mouth. I may have done that here before. Yep. Speak oppression. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue parades the earth. Of, of these wicked people is yes ma'am number six is that out or in it doesn't really matter it's 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 in because it's talking about their pride their heart yeah <coughs> these are artificial I'm just I, these are really kind of artificial boundaries there's not really a boundary there pride they're talking about pride their heart of their heart of their necklace okay I got it is it in or out because you're using a different color and a different shape are you going to be that OCD on me <laughs> yes um I don't think it matters. The point is, is I'm just giving you tools to think through what's going on. What, is, what I'm trying to do is get you to see what's happening in this passage, like this idea here. But okay. I'm speaking. This shows me that they're speaking words against God, too, not just thinking it. Um, <coughs> let's see what else I wrote down. Look, at, look what else they say. What do they say about God and knowledge? They say in verse 11, how does God know? 
and to God, doubt him. They, they don't think that God can see what they're doing. They outwardly doubt They outwardly, him. yeah, absolutely. And is there really knowledge with the most time? Does God really know what's going on? I mean, you're thinking that, and they're saying it. Okay. So I don't want to get too, uh, too bo- we could You could do this for hours. Okay, so we're not going to do any more. But think about this, these kind of things, okay? Look at the third bullet point. Asaph, who's a psalmist, confesses he came close to slipping in his faith. What are the things that disturbed him? And we've already listed a bunch of those. Notice this first, uh, this is a lot like some of the other verses we looked at, where the first couple of verses is like the introduction. It's the, he gives a good positive way to start, but then he says, as for me, my feet came close to stumbling or slipping. Oh yeah, my steps had almost slipped. Four, this gives a reason that his steps had almost slipped. Why? why? Because he saw arrogant, he saw the wicked, and he saw that they were doing really well. And why, why did that bother him so much? Tell me, what do you think? Because he was thinking that his, like how, how deep-rooted is his faith if he feels like he's <coughs> over just seeing this stuff, not even over stuff that can be considered big stuff. Right, I'm going to write this word up. Justify. No, <laughs> justice. All right. And what he thinks he perceives is, is injustice. That, that God, if God is a God of justice, he won't allow bad people to get away with bad things. Right? Right. If God is a God of justice, bad people won't get away with bad things. There will be justice in this world. But when I look, I see bad people getting away with bad things. Why is that happening? Is God really a God in control? Or is God a God who allows injustice to take, to, to continue? That's what's really bothering him. I think that's at the heart of his confusion. That's at the heart of his thing. And then so he goes to this. Have I, I've been wanting that God, ben- God blesses me, in a sense, because I'm doing what's right. Have I been doing this all wrong? Um, any questions so far? Does that make sense, what, we're, what, this, what this psalm is saying? Yeah. A statement? Sure. God, he is in control, but he lets us do as, it lets us choose what to do, because in the end, we will pay for our sins, because we chose to do those things. I mean, sort of, sort of. When you think about it, um, you, if you're a Christian, you're never going to pay for your sins. Well, not pay, but. Have the consequences of behavior? Sure. Yeah, but the thing that he's struggling with is that there's a time, there's a time element. Okay, so let's say here, here I am, and here's a timeline, and this is now. Okay, I don't know why I threw myself way over here. Let's let's draw myself right here on top of this. Oops, in the wrong spot. If I'm here, this is now, and this is the past, this is the future, and what happens is is that some things I did that were bad. And then God dealt with me. And I can see that in my past. But there's also bad things. Or let's say this is um, let's say this is your friend. And he's done all kinds of bad stuff. And you're like, wait a second. God, why have you done? What you don't know is that God's going to deal with them in the future. You just, you just can't see the future, so you don't know that. And this takes a lot of trust. I'm kind of jumping to the end here. But... Um, I, I don't know if that answers anything what you're asking, but the idea is is that um, yeah, anyway, is that 
that say anything about like say what you're asking again to make sure I'm on the right track um, about you paying for your own consequences of your own she, I think are you trying to just <coughs> Which is like the okay, yeah. So now you're talking. Okay, I'm question. sorry. Yeah. I think I misunderstood where you were where you're coming from. Is that like what he's trying to say? What he's actually referring to here is not necessarily that. What he's referring to is God's uh, righteous judgment. Okay. Okay. Now it is true that God is in control, but we, we we have to be careful not to misunderstand what that means because you're talking about an infinite God who created time, space, and you and me and everything. So it's a little bit different than saying the way you control your Lego set versus how God is in control of the world. Um, let's keep going because there are some really key points I want to make here. Um, let's skip down to that last bullet point. What are the benefits of living as a child of God? I like the last part, verse 23. Okay. You have taken hold of my right hand. What does that mean? You're always there. You're always there? Yeah. It's something I took, as I was just thinking about that, I've never really paid attention. But as I, I, I think back of parents, I see them with their children. There's always a tendency, no matter what, it's, it's, not all the time, but a tendency that they always reach out with their right hand to grab. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's something about God when he's talking about his right hand that there's a there's a sense of security, but also not just security. In fact, that's a strong hand, but there's the tenderness that God's got. And that a lot of times when he's leading us, he's leading us back into the right way of, of walking and thinking. And that is, as you as you're read to this, and it goes back to verse... Verse seventeen says, "I came to the sanctuary of God." And yeah. we know he didn't go to church, right? I think this was, a, I think this was a maybe a quiet time. Maybe it was literally the house of God. I'm not not a hundred percent sure, but something at that time he was maybe around some scripture that God showed him. This is what their end is, right? And I'm taking you and I'm pulling you back to the right thinking of where you are now with me. There's there's actually a little, and that's a really good observation about this. I would even say there's there's another layer of that. And that is, who's taking whom by the right hand? God's taking hold of me by what? My right hand or his right hand? My right hand. What? My right hand, the right hand is a symbol of what? Strength, my power, is how I do my work with. If you, if the hand of God, if someone says the hand of God was upon him, it means that God was doing something. And in the Old Testament, someone's right hand meant their work. It was what they did. You, I mean, if, you had, if your hand was cut off, you were in trouble. <laughs> and so he's saying, you have taken hold of my right hand. You have strengthened it is one option. Also, you have, it, it, what he is doing is he is, he is allowing his own uh, human thinking take over. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to take that. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to take your work for you. I'm going to be the one holding your hand. And you're, you're going to have to trust me. So you can't do this. I have to do it. So the action on the right hand, the right hand would be doing stuff. He's saying, no, no, no I'm going to take, I'm going to hold your hand so you can't do this. I'm going to do it for you. That's another way of looking at this. It's a really interesting way of saying that. Um, it makes me think of a whole, like, child and father. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you're trying to cross the street by yourself. And you're like, uh, nope. Let's yep. not. 
And there, there's, let me, let me draw your attention to one other thing that I think is really powerful. And that is, um, that is this, when you look at verse 21 and 22, what happens when you allow your heart to go this way and to think these bad things and to allow it to run away from you? He says, my heart was embittered. Okay. He got bitter. He got angry at God. And I was pierced within. He felt pain in his heart because he felt like he was he was being treated unjustly. He felt like his life was maybe being useless, worthless. What what does that make him like? Like a beast before you. Okay. And he says, I was senseless and ignorant. So no sense, no knowledge, and was like a beast. Anybody you know anybody like that in the Bible? Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel chapter, what was that? Four? No. Five, six? Daniel tells a story about Nebuchadnezzar who lifted up his, his eyes and said, look at all this great thing I have done. And God said, oh yeah, I'm going to humble you. And how does God humble him? He makes him act like an animal. <coughs> and when we... What's that? I feel like I skipped that story. Anybody? You don't remember that story? No. He acts like a cow for for like, and his hair his his hair grows out, and his nails grow out, and he ends up being he goes he goes out of his mind, and then he comes to himself. But did he still look like a human? Oh yeah. Oh, he didn't look like it. No, 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 no. He he just acted like one. Let me read. You. Let me get to the passage. <laughs> Should be chapter four. Um, it's because it says. Uh, Twelve months later, he was walking on the roof of a royal place in Babylon. The king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the great, which I myself have built, royal residence by the might of my own power, for the glory of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven, saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it has been declared, sovereignty has been removed from you, and you will be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like a cattle, and seven periods of time will pass over you, until you recognize that the Most High is ruler of the realm of mankind, and bestows it on whoever he wishes. So, God kind of humbles him, or really humbles him, by making him act like an animal. He loses his mind, goes out in the field for seven years, and eats grass, and, and they don't know what to do with him. And then finally he comes to himself, and he, he, he actually blesses the Lord and says, God is the great king, I am not, and he becomes humble. So this is something that he's kind of, I don't that, that happened later after this, but this idea of what makes you human, um, you lose that special thing when you become embittered, when you become pierced, because uh, you're becoming like a beast, like one who can't think, one who can't reason, one who can't talk. Okay, you allow these things to, to come upon you. Um, let's, let's ask these questions at the very end. Why do you think, or the interpretation, why do you think the sanctuary of God provided such a relief? So he says this in what verse? What verse is that, Albert? You're just pointing to it. Is it right here? Yeah. Here it is, 17. This is the turning point of the whole of the whole psalm. If you if you try to draw in your Bible, you can draw a line at seventeen. Until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I what? Perceived. Perceived what? Their end. Their end. This is the what I was talking about earlier with the idea of a of a timeline that that the difficulty comes because we can't see the end of the story, and so it looks like they're all doing great and they're all happy and they're all making. Uh, all the money they want, they're happy and, and joyful. But he says he does not, he has not seen their end, what happens to them. And he says, God has set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. They are destroyed in a moment. So there's justice will come. 
Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, you, uh, when aroused, you will despise their form. So when you're sleeping, everything's good. Well, not always. You're right. <laughs> no, but you know, when you're sleeping, you feel, you know, it's like you're in this crazy world where things are don't make sense or whatever. And then you wake up and it's like, man, that was kind of weird. What he's saying is, is that at the end of times, you're going to look back at life with all these people who seem to be succeeding. You'll be like, man, that was kind of weird. That was a fleeting moment. didn't last very long. Y'all having fun back there? Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel too much about some dreams that I've had. <laughs> My wife is a distraction sometimes. That's okay. Well, it's better her voice than mine on the podcast. Yeah, huh? Um, so, the point, the point of this psalm is this. If you go back and you look at what it's saying, it's that when we are arrogant of the wicked, what are we supposed to do? How we, and how does that help us understand uh, injustice in this world? Um, so I have some questions here. He confessed that he came close to slipping. Have you ever felt this way? Mm-hmm. What led to it? Are there sins? He was embittered. He was angry at God. Are there sins you need to confess? Because often when you, when you find yourself close to blaspheming God or being angry at God or, or going off the edge, uh, it might be because you, are, um, you have sin in your heart. Notice how he closes out the psalm, verse 25 and 26. Who am I in heaven but you? Besides you, I desire nothing. He reorients his desires. What did he want earlier? What, what was so desirable about these people? Go back here. What was so desirable about them? Their prosperity. Yeah, their prosperity. What else? What was so desirable about the people of the wor- world? Um, they had no regrets. They lived free. They, they seemed to be free. and They could say whatever they wanted, say whatever they wanted to. <coughs> they had pride. Uh, they had all the food they wanted. Their bodies were fat. They had um, prosperity, no pain. Um, they, yeah, they, said, they said whatever they wanted. Um, they kind of just shook their fist at God. And, and when he's envious of that, at the very end of this, he turns. He says, really, I desire only one thing, and that's you. I desire nothing on earth except you. And that's one of the huge keys. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. As for me, what is my good? The nearness of God. That's what it all comes down to. I have made the Lord my refuge that I may tell of all your works. And look where he comes, look where he ends up. I'm going to draw this here. I may tell. So what's his, what's his goal? What, what's going to be the end goal? What's going to be the end game of all this? For him. Whenever they stop, start falling, he's going to tell of their good works. Yeah. He's going to tell, not only that, it's just right now, he's going to tell all of God's works. God is the one who's his refuge. God is the one who's his strength. And God being near to him is, is, is all he wants. It's a reorienting of your priorities is what it is. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like what really matters. When you're jealous of other people, when you see injustice of the world, what are you really jealous about? When I say injustice, I say, you know, you see other people doing well. You see people getting away with things. Um, any, comp- any, any thoughts? To kind, of, to kind of answer your question, going back to the beginning of the look at it, it says, um, verse, verse 3 said, and I saw the prosperity. Yep, yep. Most of the time what we're in use of, despise, hate, is what we see. 
and it goes back to an improper view because what we're seeing is everything there's like a six of maybe the magician heart, everything's external. Yeah. The you, plagues, necklaces, garments, their eyes, and that we assume that they've got it all that You're exactly right. We assume they've got it good because we see what looks like payday. But in the end, like you said, like you said I get to the end, I see what their actual end is. And, and it, it's it's going. It's, I think it's going back to what I was talking about last week. Is when you start start looking. Two weeks ago, I can remember mm-hmm. when you quit looking vertically and start looking horizontally. Sure, you you compare, you know, to what everybody else has got. Everybody, somebody's always going to have better than you. Mm-hmm. I could go buy a brand new Camaro right now, and tomorrow somebody could go buy another brand. You know what? They've got a newer car, yeah. car than I do. Yeah. Someone's always going to have something better, but when you can step back and think about, okay, this is my end. Can those people go to the sanctuary of God? Can mm-hmm. they go into the presence of God? And I'm not talking that God is with us. I know that, but when there's that that really sweet time where you just got the Bible, maybe a hymn book, or just meditating, and I mean, you just feel God's presence. You feel yeah. God ministering, and you're, there's a there's a fellowship. Those people never have that. So that so that's kind of where I'm coming to here is. <coughs> What is a solution for runaway thoughts of despair or discouragement? What's what's that? Go to God, like think about the blessings you have, all your stuff. Go to the what he calls here the sanctuary of God, and you've got to find your sanctuary of God, uh, where you can meet with God one on one. And God reveals truth to him here, and God reveals truth to us through His Word. Um, and God's not going to say, you know, Jim Bob over there, he's going to end up. You know, in a car wreck, or it's not going to be like that. God doesn't do that, but God does show us truth in His Word, um, and tells us what's the result of these things. Um, I think, I think this is so key. You've got to instead of looking outwardly and looking, this idea of seeing, perceiving, the same word, seeing. Um, he saw all these people doing all these things, but then he had to come to God. And in God's, in the context of God, in the, with the perspective of God, he saw what really mattered. And that was the presence of God. Um, so how can you do this? Guard your time that you <clears throat> make, make sure that if there's only So like starting really simply, spend time with God. Right, really simply, just spend time with God. Go, go, spend time with the Lord, and 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 so that these things don't happen. Because you see the danger when your heart is embittered and you're pierced within. When you allow your heart to be angry towards God, you end up acting like an animal, animalistic, not not like you should. Um, that's very key. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts? I, I had a couple other things on here you could look at. These are what these are designed to do. Is you can take this home. You could do this on your own. You could you could walk through this some more. This is a very rich passage, and we don't have time tonight to go through every little detail. But I encourage you to go back and study this some more on your own because you will find it to be very encouraging and very enriching. Yes, honey. I was just going to add to that. You know, talking about spending time with God. One of my personal favorites. Sounds super elementary, but to reread. On repeat, you know, there's something like a chapter like this that really resonates with you as you read it several times for a couple of weeks. And it, I, I think even then you still see new things, and it it gets to the point where you almost have to memorize too. And that's a that's a neat way to to say.
study. Absolutely. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. I really enjoyed it. Let's close with a word of prayer. And I hope you all have a great, uh, great week. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your encouraging words. Help us to come to your sanctuary, uh, to be face-to-face with you uh, in your word, that we might have these things put in their proper perspective, that we wouldn't be drawn away by seeing the things other people have and maybe uh, desiring them or being jealous or feeling a sense of injustice. But, Lord, we know that you are a God of justice who loves uh, each and every one of us and, and wants what's best for us. Lord, help us to... Uh, live as we should, to walk with you, to carve time out of our schedule, that we may spend time with you, and pray you be with each one of these students this week, help them to have a great week, and they would accomplish a lot with their school. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys.